joining us now. Packers legend, pro football Hall of Famer, and a golfer that took plenty of money from Tausch, even though Tausch never got any money from him. It is Brett Favre on Wilde and Tausch. Brett, good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I don't remember taking any money from Tausch. <clears throat> well, I'll say this. I don't this. remember giving any away <laughs> either, but I don't. <laughs> well, we'll you talk know, about you know, that later. Mark, Mark was kind of sneaky. Uh, you know, he was, I, I think, in, in his secret life, he was a professional poker player. Uh, sheep said, Brett, my poker game stinks. Uh, I'm, I'm not good okay, at it, but Sheep, sheep said's kind of my game. Okay. Yeah. So, Brett, what do you okay. think, man? Are you you pretty excited? I know you've been doing this now. I think this is going to be your fifth year of coming up here and yeah, doing I think this. It's five. Uh, your first year was your de- definitely your most favorite, even though you got smoked when you came up. Uh, this time around, you get. I don't to, remember that year. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know. I have highlights. Uh, you have <laughs> you get you get a chance to play with Jack Nicholas, and I know when I saw you a couple weeks ago, that was something that yeah. is really a cool thing for you. Well, I mean, how could it not be? And and I've told so many people um, in the last few weeks uh, what or who I'm playing with, and I my my uh, the only thing I can compare it to um, in, in regards to me playing with Jack Nicholas or anyone playing with Jack Nicholas for that matter would be um, the equivalent of serving mass. With the Pope, I mean, would, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> He's definitely royalty when it comes to golf. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about living legends, I mean, there's no question. The top of the list is is Jack Nicholas. So, I, you know, I, I I'm thrilled to to have this opportunity. And, and Brett, I I remember when we first drove in that first year. I don't think you necessarily knew exactly what you were getting into. And it's only, I mean, this weekend will be the biggest with Jack coming and you and right. Toby Keith. But can you just talk a little bit about how amazing that experience was and how this thing has grown into being one, you know, I think one of the best weeks in sports in Wisconsin. But just from your point of view, how awesome it is from a charitable standpoint and why you keep yeah. coming back. Well, um, it has grown each and every year. And, and I think I've said this every year. I really am not surprised. Um, and I can point to so many different examples from, from day one uh, of the charity game, the ch- softball game that we had in Appleton. Um, if you want to really dig deep, um, to, I, I think it's still going on. Am I correct? Yeah. I know yeah. Donald took it over and then I think, um, Jordy. Now it's yeah, uh, Clay, Jordan, Adams. Yeah, Clay broke yep. his nose last year. Yeah, it's still going. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, but the but the the support that Wisconsin fans in general, whether they're a Packer fan or not, you know, most most are Packer fans. But I'm just talking about when it comes to their own. There's I've never seen anything like it. So, I, in in some respects, I'm a little, I'm surprised each and every year because you go, I, I just don't know if they. You know, if it can get any bigger. But then, um, as you said, I, I expect when driving in that, you know, it's I, – I don't know if it can be twice as many people. I don't know if that's accommodating. But, but you know, the people 
they show out. They show up and show out, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's like the trek ride, which you just referred to. You know, I saw you a couple weeks ago, and, you know, it kind of rained a little bit at first. And, you know, be one of those days where uh, if you're John Burke, you, you're a little bit worried about, you know, what type of participation you're going to get. But by all accounts, I think it was, it was as many as they wanted uh, and then some. Uh, but, again, Wisconsin, it, it's different. You know, the people are different and um, in a good way. So I, I, I foresee this, this being the, the biggest week on the, on the senior tour period. And if it's not, I think that this is going to be the number one um, tournament on the senior tour period. Um, and, again, it may be already. Brett, you've, you you talk about how Packers fans have supported you, whether it's for this or the softball game or whatever. Is it a little – is it, A, amazing, and, B, really warm your hearts that whether or not there's something to be forgiven for or not is not the discussion here. But it wasn't that long ago where maybe you would have had some apprehension coming back here, and now it is all love for you. I mean, is that – is 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 that still a little bit amazing to you that they whatever happened oh eight oh nine ten you are now back where you are and and people just put their arms around you no matter what? Well, uh, you know, I mean, I, I really don't think about it anymore. But there was a time that, uh, um, you know, I, I was I, I questioned whether or not I should set foot on what's wisconsin soil again uh, and maybe that's a stretch but you you, you know what i'm saying um yeah, yeah. understandably so but we have always considered wisconsin as a, a second home a second family to us and, and that hasn't changed now we can all point to times in our life where whether it be um siblings a family member uh, uh in general uh, a friend um, that has either been uh, hurtful towards us or vice versa uh, or, or some, something that w- requires some type of healing over time or uh, even forgiveness. Uh, and, you know, generally it happens. You know, it may take time, but it happens. And this is no, no different. Um, and so when, when the time started drawing near when when i knew that my 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 name would at least come up for the hall of fame um i wasn't like eagerly waiting oh i hope i get in i hope i get in but i but it was more um you know what to expect i guess uh either good or bad you know obviously hoping for for good and and really kind of relying on past experiences not not necessarily mine but um similar in you know uh like sterling holding out or you know i mean and i'm that's like one of the first things i remember where there was a little bitterness from both sides and then it was all it was okay again and you can point to so many of those uh different times um in in Wisconsin people again, they, you know, they, they, they're true to form, you know, they, they come through. And so 
Yeah, there I would there was worrying this more than anything on on my part, but uh why I was worried, uh, you know, as I look back, I think what were you worried for? You know, in time things would would be okay. Um you know, it 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 is what it is and and you see it's happening to Clay Matthews now. It it happens to other players and it will happen you know throughout history. And Clay Matthews, I think, when it's all said and done, will will best be remembered and will want to be remembered as a Packer, and and right. and that's the way I wanted to be remembered, and and that's the way I will be remembered. So it's a good thing you didn't lead the Vikings to the Super Bowl championship, correct? <laughs> um, <laughs> why you got to give me such tough questions? He's a hard hitting journalist, you know, <laughs> Brett. Hey, you know that. You know. Uh, <laughs> It didn't happen, so you know what? We don't have to worry about it. I tried my best. So, put it that way. Hey, Brett, you bring up an interesting point, though, because I remember when you know, at the tail end of your time in Green Bay, you made a comment about saying, "Hey, Joe Montana got traded," and and I, yeah. I think you're kind of tough. You know, you want everything to end rosy, but it typically doesn't. And Aaron Rodgers, yes, no. he just signed a new extension. I felt like that's where you were going with it. I, you never know, right? You think that everybody's going to finish yeah. it where you're at, but that doesn't always happen. You know, Aaron and I have uh, have really uh, spoke a lot in the last year and a half, and by no means would I, I consider myself a mentor. But, but you know, it's funny. He and I were talking not, not that long ago, and um, he made the comment, sort of joking, but, but so true. He goes, you know, I'm kind of now at that spot or time in my career where you exactly were when I came in. And I see and understand why you were what you were. Uh, and, and I don't know exactly uh, from a definition point what that exactly means. But, um, I, you know, somewhat reclusive, I guess, uh, in regards to when you leave the building, and also, when you're in it, I watched film with the guys. Um, I was I was eager to help because I wanted to win. But really, you're kind of you kind of look around and you go, "Where did everyone go?" I'm the last man standing that was here when I got here, and and that that's the case with Aaron now. Other than Pepper, Flea, Kurt, uh, Pepper left. You know, Red, Pepper just Brian, T Bone, and those guys. Everyone else is gone. Yeah. Well, hey Brent, so is there is there something different. is there something you would have done different with the younger players? Or I understand it's just no. you're at a different point in your life than a lot of the guys that were coming in. You know, the only thing, and I, to answer your question, no, there is nothing I would have done different. And, and you know, you and I, we spent a lot of time together in meetings, a golf course, playing, you know, in the huddle, uh, TV timeouts, so on and so forth. And, and I, you know, uh, I, I think that you, as well as the other guys that I played with, would, I'm not saying would say I, they like me or you like me, but I gave it all I could, you know, and I, you knew I was in it for the right reasons. That being said, what what is different when you get to the, the age that, uh, that you got to, that Aaron got to, when you're the elder statesman, is you're not really into what, the young guys are into, you know, you're over by your locker. You could care less where they're going that night or who they're going with or what they got planned. 
you're just kind of wanting to get through the day, go home, play with your kids, help with homework, you know, something like that, and, and make it through the next day, and then so on and so forth. And and that's so when you're when you're 22, 23, 24, uh, you know, and that's that phase of your career, man, you're on scholarship, you know, hey, whatever, you, you know, and so. You look at it differently when you get to the age that Aaron's at now, and now he gets it. You look around and at the team snack, and you go, you know what? I'm the last guy left, right. and that's you know that's reality. Talking with Brett Favre on Wilde and Tausch. Don't forget, he is part of the celebrity foursome at the AmFam Championship this weekend. Brett, it's amazing to hear you talk about your conversations with Rogers and how he now recognizes that he's going through the same things you did. He's going through something else that you did actually a couple of times. And that's a coaching change. 13 years with Mike McCarthy. Now Matt LaFleur comes in and a lot of the focus is on how are these two going to get along? How is Matt LaFleur going to help Aaron Rodgers get back to being Aaron Rodgers after the way last season went? What do you remember from first, 06, when Mike McCarthy came in, you were coming off a tough year in 05. What What are your recollections of that year and the challenges that came with it? And maybe Mike McCarthy trying to change you the way Matt LaFleur is going to try and make some changes with Rodgers. Well, I think initially there's there's excitement, and I think that you could point to that in in so many areas, fans. The coaching, uh, you know, just the, the staff it, itself, you know, for the mostly all new and they're all excited. They're all, you know, eager to, you know, to take the Packers or bring the Packers back to, you know, where, where people expect them to be. The fans obviously are, are so eager to see what the new product is going to look like. Um, and the players, you know, there's this sense of, you know, um, especially the younger players, like, you know, this is a new chance for me to, to prove my worth and so on and so forth. Now, I, I, I think, and as I think back, it's been quite a while, there is a maybe a renewed excitement for an older player. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, I can't speak for everyone who's been through that situation, but, you, you know, uh, but then there, you know, there's also like in, in Aaron's case, and I don't know this for certain, but there's also there's got to be this, you know, little voice on your shoulder saying, you know, we were not that bad. In fact, Mike and and Aaron were, you know, that duo was highly productive. Now I know wins and losses is ultimately how you're, you know, how you're judged. But but I mean, look at the. You know the the numbers that Aaron put up. I mean, my goodness, I mean they're they're incredible. That's always hard to to you know to do year in and year out. It's just hard to do, and and Aaron has managed to do it for a long time. And and kudos to him. Um, and I don't foresee his game really diminishing any. Um, the fear would be, uh, you know, if I if I really. Um, Followed the Packers uh, like I did, of course, when I was playing. But 
um, I would be a little bit fearful of every coach kind of wants to put a stamp on things. And they may say one thing, but a lot of times, you know, they do other. Uh, you know, we're going we're going to focus on Aaron. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to keep things the same for the most part. But then again, that's not necessarily true. Uh, and I don't know if you necessarily want to change much when it's working. And Aaron's been working now. Other things have to to come into place. But he can't play defense, and and he he's not the running game. Um, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how how things develop. Um, and, and I hope for Aaron's case and for the Packers and for the fans that it, it's it's in a good way. But, you know, the, that's a, I mean, that's big shoes to fill for LaFleur um, because I think Mike McCarthy really did a heck of a job. Uh, could he have done better? We all could do better. My my goodness. Uh, but right. it's going to be interesting how the dynamics kind of unfold here. Um, you know, Aaron's a stubborn guy uh, in a good way, and that's really what's made him really, along with his talent, so good. Because he, you know, he's he's who he is, and he sticks to that. And you get you got to commend him for that. And how Lafleur handles that, and his quarterback. Uh, coach and and so on and so forth handles that will will be very interesting. So did you and McCarthy? I know it was a long time ago, Brett. But did you and McCarthy kind of hash out? Okay, here's who I am, coach, and I don't want to change everything about me because before you were off the charts great in 2009 for the Vikings. You had an awesome 2007 season. You guys go 13-3. and You reach the NFC Championship game. You played great. I mean, I'm just wondering, did you guys have to find a common ground, and was 2006 kind of a year where you spent much of the year finding that common ground with a new head coach? You know, really, Mike and I worked well together um, because, uh, you know, we had been together in 99. I think a lot right. of people uh, forgot that, and I really enjoyed it. You know, it was it was a short stint, so you really don't you don't get to know each other that well. But but I really liked him, um, and his thoughts were just his thoughts because he was not the OC, and he was not able to uh, inject a lot of his thoughts and, and ideas into the offense. Uh, but when he came back, you know, uh, it, it, you know, th- there was not like. I need to get to know Mike and vice versa. We knew each other. Um, I would say w- the dynamics uh, throughout the time that I spent with Mike, the second go-around, were good. Because what what I felt like we did really well was there were there were ideas that uh, Mike had, and I don't want to say spread, but, but more of a gun, um, as you kind of – come to expect with Mike McCarthy's offense with Aaron, you know, gun, spread them out, uh, try to, you know, uh, find matchups that are favorable, those types of things. And so I was in the latter part of my, my career, obviously, and trying to find a happy medium or a middle ground where um, you kind of do, because I, I felt like the best part of my game was was play action, boots and things like that, especially early in my career. Gun and spread offense, so to speak, was a little bit foreign to me. Um, if you think of the West Coast offense and Joe Montana and Steve Young, they never lined up in the gun. 
in the, the for the for the most part of my career, I never lined up in the gun. And so Mike kind of really took it to a, a new level, and um, and I think that was good for Aaron because he got to kind of watch and see. I know he wanted to play, of course, um, but when it's time for him to take over, he knew Mike much better than I did when I was uh, in my first. You know, I think, like you said, 2006, my first year with him, the second go-around, we were kind of feeling our way through things. Um, and I thought we did a good job overall of, of working through that. We spent a lot of time, just he and I, talking about different ideas and things like that. And we didn't always agree on things, but but, but it was a good working relationship. And I, I think that kind of springboarded into – you know, the next phase with, with Aaron and Mike. And then, you know, things just kind of developed. You go, no, he's really good at that. We're going to run more of that. You know, like with Holmgren, we, we love to run screens. But what what I did almost by accident in one game is I threw a, a threw an actual route. on. The, it was a screen that was tall, and we had like a shallow cross with, uh, I think it was Sterling. And no one covered him, and I actually threw the shallow cross, and we got big yardage. And after that, we, we added that as a play. So we read the play, but also had the screen. So we made them cover the play. And if they didn't, I threw it. If they covered the play, then I threw the screen. So uh, that kind of happened over, uh, you know, over time. And so I, I felt like that that's kind of what happened with Aaron and Mike. Brett, so when you talked about when you guys did disagree and you have Mike McCarthy in, he wants to kind of have his offense, and I think this is where the parallels with Matt LaFleur and Aaron are going to be. How do you figure out who wins that? Because you're taking the snap and you're going to do what you think is – how do you balance that? You know what? That's the million-dollar question. <laughs> uh, I, You know, and I just I, – I re- try to relate – your question to my last few years where I went through McCarthy, Eric Mangini, Brad Childers, and then we finished out the, you know, the, my last year with, uh, um, uh, Leslie, Leslie Frazier. Frazier. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I knew what worked for me and see the good thing for me when I was in Minnesota is I had Daryl Bevel who knew me very well and was a close friend and, and he knew that, we may have a run play to the right, and I would throw a bubble to the right uh, if if the slot defender came in in the, on run support. He knew that. Um, Brad probably had seen that done to him uh, numerous times by me, but he had never coached anyone who would do it, and so I would do it. And you know, what happens if it didn't work? Like it. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't particularly like it, even when it worked sometimes, believe it or not, um, because, because it was not what he coached. And so there was a little bit of a clash there. Um, I, you know, I only did things because they had worked for me in the past. Uh, and look, nothing works 100% of the time. But I went off of my gut, and I, I even said to Brad at one time, and I – I thought Brad was a very bright mind. We got along fine. So don't, you know, I'm not trying to stir the pot. But this is what the dynamics are like in a situation like LaFleur and, and Aaron. Um, I knew that I had, that the things that I had done in the past had worked. Um, not always, but it worked. And my, my 
feeling was you brought me in because of that. Maybe that added six cents or, you know, whatever, that, that little edge that, that maybe a younger guy didn't give you. And so that's, I felt like that's what I was brought in for. And, and so I was not going to change the way I played, um, because that you brought me in to play the way I played in, in the, in the leadership. And so I did what I did and so be it. Talking with Brett Favre on Wilde and Tausch. Brett, um, I want to ask you one other thing from your memory banks, and that is when uh, Mike Sherman came in in 2000, and he put an emphasis on complementing your game with a commitment to the run. And obviously, Amon in 2003 ran for like a million yards. You were terrific yeah. that season as well. How? Because that's another thing Lafleur's saying is that this is an important part of this style of offense is being committed to the run. Nobody dropped back to pass more in the NFL last year than Aaron Rodgers. What do you remember from Sherman and Rossley wanting to run the ball? And were you a skeptic at first? And then did you were you converted when you saw how much easier your life became with Amon Green running as much and as productively as he did? Or what do you remember from that? No, I, I remember it very well. I thought it was a very good uh, plan, idea. The design was really good. Look, you cannot deny how effective our running game was. Um, you know, and, and Mark was a big part of that. Our offensive line was kicking ass and taking names. And Amon Green was, was running all over everyone. And and you could point to, to – a lot of guys who were important. I, I remember Nick Lucci. I mean, he was blowing people up. Um, and our the the compliment. I mean, really, that was kind of our bread and butter. That was when you came to play the Packers. I'm sure the head coach got up there and said, "You got to stop the power. You got to stop the, you know, the, um, the the outside zone. You know, whatever." And yeah, they got bread or whatever, but they, they hang their hat on that, and and we were really good at it. Um, and I had no problems with it. And our play-action game um, was really good because of that. Um, and, I mean, we were prolific. Maybe not in, in the way that you would think the Packers would have been prolific uh, during that time, but we were uh, super productive. And, um, again, I think it was a great plan. I think it was a great design. Um you know, if anything, you know, maybe we could have hit more bigger shots, you know, play action, you know, just everyone run, sell, one-man route. Um, but but overall, it was a fun offense to play in. It was a little different uh, because it was a run-first mentality. But, but again, um, it, it was super productive. And I think, you know, with Aaron, and I kind of look at, look at New England, um, as kind of the the measuring stick, you know, you can't say. I don't even know if they've had a thousand yard rusher in in recent memory. Um, it, it, and so what? They run just enough to keep you um, at bay, and and they're very good at you know counting the numbers in the box. And we only pass unless not so much have to. But we pick and choose what we do, and I think that's really kind of the the, the uh, blueprint that the Packers and, and all teams should. You know, if you if you have a thousand, 
it doesn't matter if you have a 5,000-yard passer or a 1,000-yard rusher or a 2,000-yard rusher. The, the, the bottom line is, is it leading you to wins and where you want to go? Whatever it takes. And, and I think the, the, the combination of a good enough running game uh, that, can, that can offset you having to throw every time um, and, and being you know, a sitting duck back there, um, then you can be really productive. And, and, you know, finding that, finding that, you know, that middle ground that, that is just enough of both um, is going to be uh, the key to it all. And the play-action game was just part of that. I mean, it also kept you healthier, didn't it? Like, I know you were the ultimate tough Absolutely. guy and you played through everything, but that also helped, right? Absolutely. And I'll point to to a, a game that was my, the first game I ever played with Minnesota. We play at Cleveland. I really don't know what to expect. You know, I'm kind of thinking, I hope I don't like to throw 40 or 50 times in the first game. Not that I'm thinking I would, but I said, you know, I, I really kind of want to ease into it. Well, it couldn't have gone any better. Adrian just crushes it. He runs, runs for 180 yards in a game. And really, we almost threw – and, and, and we were comfortably in the lead. Um, it couldn't have gone any better. I didn't get touched. I threw uh, two touchdowns. I think I had 150 yards passing. You know, you were not going to go home and high-five anyone because your stats were off the charts. But we won the game. I didn't get touched. And I really we, – we, you know, I, I, I jokingly say they threw, threw passes in that game just to make sure I didn't get bored or unhappy. <laughs> um, that's kind of how it went. And so, and I say that because that's that's how that sort of unfolded for us, you know, with Mike Sherman and Tom Rossley here. You know, not always, but for the most part, it was you pick and choose your throws, and they should you should have somebody open, and that was the case. Brett, uh, Bart Starr passes away, and I know you had a lot of interesting things to say. He wrote you notes. How regularly did you get those notes? And can you just talk a little bit about what Bart Starr meant to you and uh, to your family? You know, my my initial statement, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if I can add anything to that when I talk about how, how much of a gentleman and how nice of a man he was and thoughtful. And, and I can point to the letters that, uh, that he wrote. How many he wrote? I mean, hundreds. Um, not only after good games, but it may have been after, not necessarily even after a game. Maybe it was, uh, you know, a tough game, tough loss. Maybe I didn't play so well. Uh, and, and during the private ceremony in Birmingham, which Deanna and I went to, um, I got up and they asked me to say a few words. And I, and, and it was it was um, it, it was a good moment because it was really story time, and everyone that got up told a story. Most of them, everyone got a chuckle out of them, including mine. And, and one of the letters that I got from from Bart was uh, uh, after we had won the Super Bowl in New Orleans, and so you know this letter set, basically starts off as it always did. Hey, congratulations! Um, you know, what a great season, what a great win, and not be more happy for you and your team, so on and so forth. And he's, but then, you know, Bart was a perfectionist in so many ways and, and, a, and a true gentleman and professional. Um, 
this is typical Bart. Then he says, uh, I do. I am a little bit concerned about how you wore your hat during a <laughs> uh, media day. That old and, weathered Nike and, hat you had? I think it was because I was turned backwards or something like that, you know. And uh, With the sunglasses. You know, I, I, I mean, you couldn't help but get a chuckle out of it. Um, you know, but that was Bart. You know, he he was always quick to uh, to congratulate and, and commend and 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 you know say all kinds of nice things. But he was also I wouldn't say critical, but he would point out things that he felt like in his eyes were unprofessional and and uh, just wanted you to be aware of it. Talking with Brett Favre on Wilde and Tausch. Uh, Brett, you mentioned you mentioned Aaron earlier. He told the story before you came back for the the jersey, or maybe it was for the uh, Ring of Honor, about the trick you pulled on him, where you took his helmet and put it on the table in the locker room, yeah, and had everybody sign. Yeah, he it. didn't like that one. <laughs> no, he he didn't. But you know, we have a laugh about it now. Look, when I was in Atlanta, if he thought that that was hazing. <laughs> God forbid he he would have been on Glanville's team because let me tell you I can't even tell you the things that that the guys would would do or try to do to the rookies. But uh, I, I I thought it was fun. I, I think mean, look, it was fun. It was fun. You know, I, my my clothes every day, my street clothes in Atlanta. When I got done from practice and showered, my street clothes were laying in either the hot tub or the cold tub or or in the <laughs> a spare shower soaking wet. <laughs> and then the next day I'd come in and my shoulder pads would be missing or my shoelaces were cut right when I was time to go out to practice. And, um, you know, and this was over and over again. And, you know, I'd go in, I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, come on, guys. You've gotten me the last 50 days. Please. Well, uh, you know what? So that worked out well for Packers fans. We had a little fun with Aaron. Yeah. I think he admitted after the fact that he should have never cleaned off the helmet because it would have had your autograph on it, and it would have been much more valuable. The one I remember you doing to all of us, especially when the media was in there, was I don't know where you would get this vial of awful stench-smelling oil, but you would put it in a towel and then drop it and chuckle as you yeah. left the locker room what where did you get that stuff and is that was that your favorite move like what was your favorite thing to do whether it was to us in the media or to your teammates as a practical joke i you know i always try to make it fun obviously um that was just my mentality not everyone liked that you know and some people you know enjoyed the the kidding around other people you know thought i played too much um but Red Daddy was kind of my go-to guy, or, or Pepper was my go-to guy for, um, you, you know, like, for example, I had Red Daddy got me a fart machine, which I, I later used on Lee Rimmel oh, uh, on back, the bus ride Larry to Monday Night Football he, against Chicago. And, and you know, I, I even had Holmgren laughing on the front <laughs> going to the game because I put this remote control deal under Lee Rimmel's seat. <laughs> And I kept hitting the button, and it would make a god-awful fart. And everyone assumed Lee had the farts and didn't know it, which happens at some point in your life. And Holmgren never turned his head left or right, but he chuckled all the way to Soldier Field. And um, I, 
I still don't know if he knew that that was uh, a remote control or if Lee just was uncontrollable that night. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was always doing things like that. You know, the the, the stink bombs was like a little sulfur, like it almost was like a, a you know smelling salts type deal. You could you could break it and and it made the worst sulfur smell possible. But you guys never got the hint because what I was trying to do was run you out of the locker room. But, but you guys were tough. You, you know, you could stick it out, and um, and you did. I was. Uh, it is I was all work- good. You know, I loved you guys. Yeah, yeah, not always, but sometimes you did. I understand. We we had our moments. Uh, I yeah. was I was working on. Um, uh, an old story for a book about you leaving Atlanta, and you brought up Glanville, and to to, to their, I'm sure, to their dying days, Jerry Glanville and Ken Harrock will blame each other for being stupid enough to trade a pro football Hall of Famer, even if he was the guy who was missing the team picture that year. That was all Glanville, right? I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we blame him, right? Yeah. Ken Harrock uh, drafted me. He wanted me, and uh, and that's where I think the the budding of his began. I don't think initially Jerry Glanville disliked me because he didn't know me, but I think he disliked the fact that he wanted to draft someone else at that position. Now, and and I'm not saying quarterback. I think he may have wanted a, a, just a different player, and and I don't know this for certain. So this is all uh, I'm assuming. Um, but I do know that Ken Harrock wanted me, and um, and that never changed. But I think that Glanville's, um, you know, his his plan was I'm going to make life miserable on the guy that that Ken, you know, drafted in in, in the place of someone else who I wanted, and um, you know he he knew he wasn't going to play me unless he absolutely had to. So he was going to make life miserable on me, and he did. And I, I'm I'm very thankful that he did. Now, after the fact, at the time, um, I really felt like I was stuck with nowhere to go. Um, uh, so it it kind of made me, um, you know, I mean, it. it you know, I missed a team pitcher. I put on 25 pounds. I drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of hot wings, didn't care because they didn't care about me. I didn't care about them. That was kind of the mentality. Poor way to handle things, but it, but it did work out. Uh, it's almost like my plan hatched to perfection. But I don't, Diabolical. I don't, yeah. I don't want anyone to go, you know, I think I'm going to do that uh, because that's not the way, the right way to handle it. Brett, what did he do to make you miserable? Well, the first meeting I ever had with him was uh, I was late for the first practice of minicamp because there was two flights out of Gulfport, Mississippi to Atlanta, and the first one was delayed. So when I got there, they were halfway done with practice. And, um, you know, I go out on the practice field, and Danny Mock, who uh, I think still is with the Packers, had picked me up and drove me to the facility and and introduced He said, Coach, got your quarterback. Here's Brett. Brett, this Coach Jerry Glanville, and Jerry's first first words to me were, what school are you from, Mississippi? And I said, Southern Miss, Coach. And he said, well, gosh dang it, we drafted the wrong guy. We wanted the guy from Mississippi State, <laughs> which, was, you know, 
that was kind of the beginning of the end, and it never got better. So he would come around and practice, and he would he would he was a joke telling guy. I mean, he'd walk around, hey, yeah, y'all heard the one about, and he he'd always like come right in my area, and so he'd say this joke. Well, you know, you're kind of torn because you know you need to watch practice, but this is the head coach, and you don't want to. Uh, disregard him, so I'd laugh at his joke. And then next thing he would say, Mississippi, what's the play? And I'd say, I don't know, Coach. Well, if you ever want to play, don't you think you should know the play? And uh, yes, sir, Coach. But I wanted to say, well, you're back here telling jokes right in my face. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, you know, so that that's kind of how it was all year. And the fact that I was live in practice which that is unheard of in pro football. <laughs> the problem was, which he didn't account for, was I thrived off of it. I loved it. Uh, it gave me an opportunity to show what I could do. And the harder they hit, they hit me, the better I was. And and the quicker I got up. And to a point where I'm sure he was like, you know, bad move. Because uh, I was really winning over the guys, even though I wasn't playing. <laughs> so you had no red jersey on. It was live. Go hit him. No, heck no. <laughs> that in is fact, a... he would say, all right, we got goal line. Mississippi's live. <laughs> that is <laughs> unbelievable. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think he wanted you out. I, I don't know how that story ever got misconstrued. It seems pretty obvious to me that it was Glanville. Uh, Brett, I, I think one of the things everybody in Green Bay loves to hear about is that relationship with you and Aaron. And Are you surprised that you guys have become as good of friends as you have? Um, I guess yes and no. Um, you know, we were, I, I would say, uh, strong enemies. Uh, I wanted to, to play my tail off, and, and so did he, and, and especially when we, we played against each other. Um, we, I thought we got along really well when, when he was a young, you know, 21, 22, 23-year-old. Uh, and then we went about our way, and and obviously he has he has paved his own way, and then some. I mean he he stands alone in the league today as as the best player, in my opinion. Um, and and I'm okay with that. I, I, you know, I honestly, you know, I know people want to say who's the best player in Packers history, and uh, you know, people want to pick sides. I'm not picking sides. I, I could care less what what people say either way. Um, I, I think Aaron is a is a great quarterback presently, um, one of the all time greats uh, in the league itself, and will be remembered as that. And um, and and I'm really proud of him. And and our relationship now is is very good, and I'm I'm more happy about that than anything else. And uh, you know, I've been I've been able to to see a different side of him, um, a non-playing side, and um, I think he's at a much better place in his life right now, um, which which is great for him, and I think great for the Packers. And at some point, there is going to be a transition, and somebody's going to get drafted. Uh, did that That's right. when that happened for you when Aaron got picked? Did it rejuvenate you? And is there anything you do differently? I know there's a lot made of I'm not here to help all that. Anything you do differently and give recommendations when and if this happens to Aaron? Well, I, I stand by 
there's a lot of things I've said and done in my life that I, you know, I, I don't stand by. But, but saying I'm not here to mentor anybody, especially quarterback, uh, I stand by that, and I think Aaron gets that as well. Look, you want to you want to play as long as you want to play, and when Aaron was drafted, and obviously a first round pick, which had never happened in in my time there, you know to a certain extent the writing's on the wall and and at some point he is going to get his opportunity which means you're you're getting phased out i wasn't upset with aaron at all my my initial thoughts were it's it's about time i i knew this this time would come um but i still felt like i could play and i knew ultimately that i judged i was the 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 I judge whether or not I would play longer or not by the way I played. And so I control my destiny, not Aaron, uh, not anyone else. So if, if I was, if I felt like that I, I still could play, I was going to work as hard as I possibly could. I was going to do the things that, that I'd always done and let the chips fall where they may. And so there was never any animosity towards Aaron and, um, you know, I can I can point to so many times where Aaron said, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like after our our team film study and after practice, I said, "I'm gonna go watch a little film. You mind if I tag along?" No. And we would sit in meeting rooms and and watch film, and he would ask questions, and and I enjoyed that because um, I, I feel like that some of those things have carried over to, to how he plays today and how he looks at things, and and obviously he's. You know, his game is, is uh, in, in some ways a lot different than mine, uh, and it's very good, and, and I enjoy watching him play. Uh, but but it isn't your job to mentor. That's that's the coach's job, and it's it's the young guy's job to to get what he can from the guy in front of him. And so, um, you know, people some people understood that comment. Other people said, oh, how dare you do that? Uh it is a competitive uh, job and sport, and I think sometimes people lose sight of that. Talking with Brett Favre on Wilde and Tausch. Brett, two more for me, and then Tausch is going to finish up. One, um, I put out a question on Twitter last night. It was a fill-in-the-blank. When I think of Brett Favre, I think of blank. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, they are overwhelmingly positive uh i used a little clip of you and rogers on the sideline when you give them the old put her in the old vice um there yeah. were responses of uh take back two of them flapjacks i gotta stay hungry for the crimson Brent, what side what do you think of jason's impression of you do you think it's good or should we have an intervention because he thinks he's pretty good oh, at... he was in, he was in, he was doing an impression of me i think that's what he thought yeah <laughs> You know, he's, he, it's the best that he can do. I mean, what can I say? Don't confuse effort you know? with results is the Brad Childress <laughs> no, uh, quote. Exactly. So. Yes. That's right. Um, That's right. So, some of the, you know, left-handed footballs, all that, you know, take two weeks off, then quit. Did you – that was just you – did you – you knew you were mic'd up, obviously. But people absolutely love those. Did you ratchet it up when you had the NFL Films mic, or was that you, you all the what? time? I, I think Tausch would tell you the same thing. No, I was, I was like that all the time. You know, mic'd up or not, didn't matter. I was, I was all about. Um, look, 
there were times where I didn't feel like having fun. You, you had a tough loss, or maybe you had a couple weeks where you lost, and coaches are, you know, riding your tail. You feel sorry for yourself. Um, but, you know, in those times, too, I, I tried my best, maybe even harder, to keep it fun. Um, as much for me, but equally as much for everyone else. Because, you right. know, and again, everyone's different. Some people, you know, we're, we're not that type of personality. But I felt like um, we put the time in. We always put the time in. I mean, we're going to do that. We're going to practice. We're going to meet. And and that never changed and, and never will change. But, you know, you get, you, it's a long season. You have to have fun. And even when you don't feel like having fun, making someone smile, the last thing they want to do is smile, um, was, was one of the joys that I had. And I wanted, I wanted everyone who stepped on the field with me, whether it be practice and even meeting rooms and so on and so forth, I wanted them to have fun and look forward to coming in the next day. And, and I feel like I accomplished that for the, for the most, really, all of my career. Um, maybe not so much in Atlanta, but, um, you know, I, that's one of the things I'm most proud of is, is that I had fun and was able to, to do something that I love to do for so long and give a lot of joy to, to a lot of people. And so, uh, th- that's just who I was. Another thing that the Mike picked up was Mike Holmgren telling you, uh, no rocket balls, please. I remember when you came back for your name being unveiled for being in the Hall of Fame and you were sitting with Jerry Kramer in the alumni suite and you said, we got to get Jerry in. Well, Jerry's in now. Should Mike Holmgren be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Absolutely, 100%, not a question. Do I have a biased opinion? Of course I do. But if you look at the numbers and what he has done compared to other coaches – some legendary coaches, there is no question that he should be in the Hall of Fame. No question whatsoever. Boom. I guess that's uh, – I, I don't know if you could be more uh, – you sure? You're not waffling at all. <laughs> How do this. you really feel? So Hogan should be it. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Tony Dungy, who I, I got a great deal of respect for, who went in with me and, you know, we're joined at the hip in, in, in that regard. Um, and I am not knocking him one one bit. All I'm saying is his numbers and what he's done is no different than with Mike Holmgren. And maybe maybe when you factor in everything, um, maybe even better. So, and I, I'm just I'm pointing to most recent memory. Um, and, and Peter King and I had a long talk about it. And he he compared Mike to some of these legendary coaches. Uh, that, that even I didn't know about, and how he stacks up, and it's it's, I mean, it's just unbelievable that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Brett, last thing for me: Peyton Manning came into town. There's a lot of uh, Lombardi Lounge, all that. How much fun was that? And when uh, did what what was kind of the uh, why you participated in that and why you got involved? Well, um, I'm not real sure when it's going to air. Um, there's a lot of episodes that Peyton did because it's, it's pretty neat little deal what he's doing. He's going around to all NFL cities and, um, 
doing doing some fun stuff with either present or past players, if not both, um, about you know the history of that franchise. Obviously, Packers have a have a you know storied uh, history. Um, it was lighthearted. There were there were a couple of serious questions, but we we played around with it, and I think just from a from Peyton from his side, it's really neat because I like one of the things he's doing, I think the last city he he was doing was gonna be New Orleans and he was gonna do the Saints and sit down with his dad. I mean really cool stuff. Um and again it's for the most part it's lighthearted and it this is all in conjunction with the hundred year uh anniversary of the NFL, which they're they're doing a big big deal this year and there's other things as well not just Peyton's deal but so that's really what it was about and um i I think people will enjoy it awesome brett we're looking forward to seeing you on saturday we're going to let you go i know we kept you we usually keep you about an hour we're going to try to go for two we got a third hour now yeah i'm not gonna you can't stay for another hour ask once a year and we'll get it for two i gotta go wash clothes guys i'd love to Uh, i gotta vacuum and wash clothes oh vacuum um, it's you gotta get one yeah, of those bots. Get one of those bots that vacuums for you. You don't need to vacuum. But what do we expect golf wise? You you kind of fibbed last year. Said you didn't practice. Played a lot better. You're going to be with Jack playing. So the pressure's going to be on. Are you going to be up for it? No, the pressure the pressure's on. I don't think my game has changed any. Um, you know, it's one of those days. You know, golf for me now is like every once in a blue moon. Uh, I mean. I, I, before an event like this, I'll hit balls for a couple of weeks leading up. But as you know, you can hit balls your whole life and and be humbled at, at any time uh, during the round. Um, you hit them great on the range, not so great uh, during the round. And that may be the case this week. I, I don't know. I don't think you're going to see anything any better uh, than, than past experiences. But uh, – I'm just looking forward to the fact that I'm, I'm playing with uh, the the golf version of the Pope. <laughs> That's what you did when you played with Tausch, too. We, no, we were we were against each other. We competed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was uh, he was my my arch rival, and he played pretty good. That was not bad. This is about as good as I was going to play. So, well, we're looking forward to it. Brett, thanks again for all your time and for coming up and doing this for a great cause. And, Will, I'm sure you're going to see a monster turnout, and your big goal is going to be not to hit anybody would be my guess. Yeah, that's right. And, look, before we hang up, I know we've mentioned the trek ride. I, I, I just want to thank everyone. You know, we've done that like the golf. Come up to that every year. John Burke. The guys at Trek are, you know, you and I are big buddy Stitch, um, and and all the the people that work there at Trek. I mean, what an awesome event that they put on, and again, what a show of support. And it, there's not a more important thing to give to or participate in than the Mac Fund. I, I think uh, we all can agree on that. So uh, kudos to Trek and uh, and to everyone for supporting it. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Brett. Thanks for making time for us. It's always great. We love this once-a-year opportunity. Hit them straight on, uh, on Saturday. Thanks. All right, guys. Good talking with you.